What is up, Fathom fam? Thank you for listening and supporting the Fathom Church podcast. Remember, you can always connect with us at fathomchurchjacks.com and on all your social media platforms as well as on YouTube. We just want to let you know about a new weekly podcast that is now available to you called Fathom Beyond Sunday. Very different from our normal sermon podcast, really just um, some casual, engaging conversation on faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. I'm so thankful you're here. What's up, Fathom Fam online? If you're in the room, can you just shout out and show some love to our Fathom Fam uh, who's not with us today? We're so thankful to, to be together uh, in this season. Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, Life as a believer, and I know everyone watching me online or in the rooms not doesn't consider themselves a professing Christian, but to be a Christian without being a part of the family of God, without being a part of community in the family of God, is like a fish out of water. Like, you can survive for a minute doing it, but you're not made to live outside of the water. As believers, we're called to live in community, in relationship with one another. So I just want to encourage you, if you're watching online, or maybe you're in the room, and and just maybe haven't taken those steps to really be a part of the family, you know, go through DNA sessions, things like that, I would encourage you to make that step, because it's a part of God's plan for our life as a believer to be a part of the community, to actually be using our gifts, to be in relationship where not only do we know other people, but they, they know us too. So I want to encourage you to take those steps uh, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, as you heard, today is Finish Strong Day. We are very excited to, uh, to be able to, to host this offering and just receive what, what God's going to do because we're really excited to create a, a new space, a new environment for our kids' ministry and students to be able to thrive. Our student ministry is growing. Our kids' ministry is getting back off the ground running. We're anxious to get all of our kids a space to continue to grow. And just shout out on top of what Christina said, you guys that are in here, you're just doing amazing. Kids are doing amazing, and so we're just so proud of you through this season. Uh, If you've been with us the past few weeks, we've been in this series called Citizens, and we've been really exploring our citizenship in heaven, and it's actually going to become a longer series than what I even originally intended. I knew it could go six weeks. It's probably going to go six weeks. Today's week four. We've been just discussing this idea that as believers, as Christians living in this world, our greatest citizenship is in heaven. And we have responsibilities here in this, uh, in this nation, in America where we live, and we're thinking about those responsibilities to vote uh, responsibly and to be a part of civil engagement and civil and conversation. We're thinking about those things, but this series is really a reminder that our greatest citizenship is in heaven, and we've got spiritual responsibilities, and and next week I want to talk to you about the freedoms we have in the the family of God as citizens of heaven, so I can't wait to share that, but today I I felt like this is a great day on this day where we're receiving this offering to really just build on a foundation, um, uh, talking about finances, talking about funding um, the kingdom of God, And, and I know like many of you, like immediately, as soon as I say the word money or funding, like you immediately have an emotional response. In fact, most of us, anytime money is brought up, even if it's in a very kind of nonchalant way about uh, what somebody else purchased in their house, you just like, Ugh, and you're like jealous. Or uh, when money's brought up, maybe it brings anxiety. M- maybe you feel shame. It, it, it's amazing how money is so emotional. Like it's, it's just a piece of paper. <laughs> it's, it's just a piece of paper with some dead presidents on it. But somehow we all have like an emotional response in our life. It's, it's incredible how it's so tied into our emotions. 
And it's tied, the reason, you ever, I don't know if you've ever asked why is that, and I believe that reason is the same reason that Jesus talks about it so much. Maybe you've heard that. Jesus talked about money more than anything else than the kingdom of God. And a quick fact check, since we're just in a fact-checking era, a quick fact check on that, I'll tell you that's true, Jesus did talk about that, but more information is needed, right? That's what they always, we need a little more information, because Jesus, the reason he talks about money is because of the same reason we feel emotionally attached to it. We have all these emotional reactions is because it's attached to our heart. And we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it, but then we put our trust in those dead presidents more than we put our trust in God. And so today I want to talk about principles for kingdom stewards, right? We talked about over the past couple of weeks, we're, we're citizens under a king, but we're also ambassadors for God. And we talked about that unity that we're supposed to be living in as his sons and daughters last week. And so I want to explore this a little bit more. Before we dive into the text today, and we're going to go to a very familiar text and look at it from an angle that you've probably never seen it before. Uh, but I want to throw up a graphic, and I don't know if they'll have this online, but I'll try to explain it. So it's a little graphic here. I call it the state of accounts. I had somebody put this together several years ago that just helps you personally identify where you're at in your state of accounts, right? So somebody help me out. The up axis, is that the X or the Y? The Y. Thank you, someone who does grass. And the Y axis really has four things. If you're watching online, you don't have this. It's struggling, surviving, stable, and surplus. This is what? The state of accounts of our bank accounts, right? You can go ahead and identify where you're going to be on the scale. And then on the bottom, the, I guess I would make that the x-axis, is uh, really the state of accounts of our heart, our generosity, where we're at in becoming generous. Are we stingy? Maybe we're sporadic in our generosity. Maybe we're solid givers. Maybe we consider ourselves to be generous or maybe even extremely generous. Here, here's what I know. The reason I throw this up here is because I think all of us in here would like to be up and to the right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'd like to be surplus and extremely generous. I've never met somebody who would not like to be in surplus. They know I'd actually, I like being broke. Like, it's, it's awesome. You have no idea how much I love it. And then I've never met somebody who's like, I just want to stay stingy. Like, there's many people I've met who say, I'm stingy, but I've never heard anybody say, I actually want to stay like this. I'm happy this way. And so really, what I, I know we all want that, and so I just wanted to throw this up because it was helpful, uh, people said it was helpful a few years ago, to kind of let you self-identify where you're at in your state of your bank account and maybe the, the state of your spiritual generosity account in your heart. Because I I, I'm just guessing for you, I know for me, I'd like to move up and to the right. I'd like for us to be, as a church, growing in that direction. And so uh, you can use that as a reflection and maybe as a starting point for where you're at in your your growth process. Uh, but let's turn to Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're going to look verses 30 through 37, a very familiar text. In fact, if you've never been in church your entire life, I'm guessing you know this, and you could probably tell me this story pretty well. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and, and when he saw the man, uh, he passed by on the other side. That was a priest. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him or compassion on him. He was moved in his bowels, 
is the, the, the Greek uh, language um, description there. Uh, the next day, he, he took out two, uh, he went to him and he bandaged up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he went to the man, uh, put the, then he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he, he took out two denarii, which is two days' wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The, ex, uh, the experts in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus simply said, told them, go and do Likewise, you've, you've heard this story um, probably many times, or maybe you've heard it just in kind of pop culture usage of it, but I, I doubt we've ever looked at it from a money mindset perspective. But there's really three money mindsets represented in this story. There's that of the robber, and, and the robber has a taker's mindset. The, the robber believes he doesn't have enough, and so he's going to take what you have. And some of us here watching online or in the room, we actually have that. We don't, we're not stealing from anybody, but we have a taker's mindset. We're looking in every relationship and any business engagement. We're always thinking, what can I get out of this? I don't have enough. And so all I do in my relationships is take, take, take. You, you know anybody like that in your relationships? Maybe some of us are those people. The second mindset that's represented is that of a priest or a Levite. And really, he, uh, where the robber is that of a taker, the priest and the Levite are keepers. They say, I don't have enough to give, so I'm just going to keep what I have. It's, it's a mindset, and so we're going to explore that a little bit today. And then the third mindset that Jesus points us to that we ought to have is what? Extremely generous, right? That, that of a giver. The Samaritan mindset is that of a giver. I, don't, I have enough to give, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share what I have. So I wanted to use that maybe again as we're kind of figuring out where we're at in this process, because... Our, the way our heart feels about money and the way we handle our money is a part of our discipleship. I think many times we think everything else is a part of our discipleship, but our money has nothing to do with it. How we handle and how we're stewards over money has nothing to do with it, and so we just kind of set that to the side. But it's really a part of our life as uh, becoming generous. Jesus calls us to go and do likewise. And so I want to uh, just give you four quick principles today on being a kingdom steward. Being a kingdom steward. This idea of stewardship comes from an old King James uh, idea where a, a king would leave his, his palace or his house uh, under the, the stewardship, under uh, the, the watchful eye of someone called a steward. And, and the steward couldn't move things around as he wished. He couldn't change uh, the, the bedding on the king's bed. He couldn't move pictures around just because he didn't like them there because it's what it's the king's house, and so that's where uh, this idea of stewardship, and as citizens of heaven, we're also kingdom stewards in God's kingdom. So the first thing I, I want to share principle today is that we need to understand the purpose of provision. When I was 15 years old, really by the time I was 16 years old, I had three jobs. I had three jobs. I, I ref foot, uh, flag football on Saturdays and made pretty good money doing that, um, by the way. Made pretty good money as a 15, 16-year-old kid uh, refing flag football. I, I waited tables during the evenings after football practice. I would leave there and go uh, wait tables. And I also ran my dad's vending machine kind of business. I'd go and I'd change out the candy and all his vending machines. So 16 years old, I had three jobs. And, and for me in that season, the purpose of the provision uh, was to pay my insurance bills uh, because I got in three accidents in the first year and a half I was driving. Um, 
And so, yeah, yeah, um, one I was skipping school, another one I fell asleep at the wheel, and another one uh, was a week after I got my license. And then I didn't get in an accident for a very long time, and that kind of like, kind of brought me to. Um, uh, but I, that was the purpose of my provision. It all pretty much went to insurance. I don't know if anybody's got teenagers in the house or anybody had a situation like me, that that insurance gets high when you have accidents. And so for me, the, the purpose of that provision was insurance, but as we come to know Christ, as we walk in our, our relationship with him, we understand that there's actually purpose in our provision. And this dates back, this isn't anything new, this dates back all the way to God's covenant with Abraham. Really, when Abraham was still Abram, in Genesis chapter 12, here's what God said to him. He said, go from your country, uh, the, or the Lord had said to him, go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land I'll show you. Obey before you get there. Just obey. I'm going to lead you. I'll, I'll bless uh, those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. I mean, I, I keep, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I, I know we all want to be more generous, and really where that comes from, I believe, is in God's covenant with us, that he's actually put that desire in our hearts to be a blessing. I don't think there's anybody who would like to die and think that they made this world a, a, a terrible place, a, a worse place. You know, we'd all like to think that we've made a tangible uh, difference in this world. This covenant that, that God gave to Abram lasted, and it lasts into today, but it's converted through Jesus. That the new covenant brings that into a new meaning because we are considered as his sons and daughters, as his citizens, as citizens of heaven. We're like sons of Abraham through faith because of what Jesus did. Jesus, Matthew points that Jesus was in the line of Abraham and that he brought us to this point to, to really show us that there's a purpose in our provision for the Samaritan. There was a purpose in why God had given a little bit more and, and, and he... he uh, Take, took the most of that opportunity to be able to provide and to be a blessing. Now, in the Old Testament, they really understood blessing had a lot to do with land and, and goods, like milk and honey, like goods. It was all about economic success. Jesus really, really explodes that much deeper in, from things of this earth blessings into blessings of heaven. He, he translates that in, into a, a fresh and, and a vibrant way in our hearts that, that the blessings we cared most about were the blessings in heaven, not the blessings on earth. But it's true what God says to us, that he's created us to be uh, a blessing. And so we, we, we first need to understand the purpose of provision. But I find that many people, they're looking for purpose in the provision and not understanding the purpose of provision. They're hoping that the next zero will bring purpose. The next promotion will actually be purpose, and they'll actually be fulfilled in their life. And yet we find, as we go on, we can even go back to the wisdom literature of Solomon, and that it, it, never actually, it never actually fills us. We just stay hungry for it. So first, as kingdom stewards, we've got to understand the purpose of the provision is to be a blessing to all nations. Uh, the second thing I think that we've got to grab a hold of today is as kingdom stewards, we operate on a different emotional plane than the rest of the world when it comes to money. We operate on a different emotional plane than the rest of the world. A year ago this month, um, God downloaded three very big personal vision things for my life. 
um, that kind of abruptly changed course for my personal uh, walk at the time. Uh, one was that uh, I was supposed to take uh, my wife on a trip to Israel, which was in the middle of like COVID, two weeks after COVID started. And so that's been postponed and the money's sitting in the bank and we're ready to go at some point. Um, but that was one of them. Another one that I got had was calling me to go back to school. So I'm in a master's program right now. And, and the third one was to write a book in which I'll do after I'm out of seminary. And so these three things, um, I, I was, it really excited me. It really invigorated me that God had given me personal vision for my life. Not just vision for you, not just vision for us, but vision in my own life, what he's calling uh, me to do. And, and I just began, like the first couple weeks were all excitement. And then I started doing my research. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be expensive. Oh, times two, that's going to be really expensive. And oh, this is going to take a lot of time. And oh my gosh, it's $75,000, $80,000 to go, to go to seminary. And I just started to get stressed out. And I know you never, you, you think that, you know, pastors don't feel that stuff emotionally. No, no, we do a ton. And we'd feel it on top of like the church stuff too. And so I, I, I began to just struggle with that. And it got to the point where I was like, okay, there's got to be a breaking point. I've got to remind myself that God is going to provide this. That if he's asked me to do this, and, then, and every single time God calls me into something, I have to work through my physical and natural emotions to get to a spiritual place of surrender. And remind myself that as a believer, I'm actually called to live on a different and operate out of a different emotional plane than the world. In um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 9, it says this. Remember this, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. This text, I, I love this text for so many reasons, but previously, Paul is actually pointing to another church. He's like, they're way more generous than you are. <laughs> he doesn't often give us uh, opportunity to compare ourselves, but when it comes to giving, for whatever reason, God's like, yeah, yeah you, you should actually realize like, there's, there's people who are more generous than you, and you should strive to be like them. And that Macedonian church that he points to, you can read it there in 2 Corinthians 9, you know where they were on the state of their accounts? They were broke. They were, what the scriptures say, they were extremely impoverished, but they were also extremely generous. So the state of their accounts on this side didn't have anything to do with where their heart was. They operated on a different emotional plane, and they loved to give. And the call is the same in, for us, and it's what we see in the Good Samaritan. He looked to be extremely generous. He was operating on a different plane than even the priests and the Levites who of all people, well, they were actually required to do it. Like Hebrew law, Jewish law actually said that the, Jew, that the, the priest and the Levite had to stop and be compassionate. Like that's not giving out of a cheerful heart. And what did they do? They, they passed by on the other side. Why did they do that? The same reason we get in the other lane when the guy's panhandle on the side of the thing. Because we don't want them staring at us, trying to make us give out of compulsion. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, okay, I'm the only one that's ever done that. Okay, no. No, we have our, our moments, and like, we, we want to avoid that feeling that's like, oh, it's guilt, and like, here's what the scriptures say. None of us should give out of that. 
Like none of us should give out of compulsion or a reluctant heart. We should give generously with a cheerful heart. This is the emotional plane that we are called to give to. Not even, like Jesus says, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. I, I don't think that's marriage advice, by the way. <laughs> You'll get that. Hey, that's not marriage advice. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Actually, get on the same page about, about that. Um, but we operate on a different emotional plane. But, but many of us, where we find ourselves today, what this sermon, the scriptures will actually reveal in our heart emotionally is, is that we're operating the same we've always operated. Like we've been transformed in many ways, but how we feel about money has yet to be transformed. I'm not, I'm not saying you're not going to feel anxious. You're not going to feel fear in those things because I've felt those and I have to press through those. But we're called to a different emotional plane when it comes to money. The third principle that I want to share with you um, about being a kingdom steward is we must practice, practice discipline to maintain a budget. Practice discipline to maintain a budget. It's true that like 65 or 70% of families do not have a household budget. Like that's an incredibly high number. It's also true that like 80% of people uh, live in the paycheck to paycheck or below. It's like they're just surviving or they're just scrapping by like or, or they can't pay all the bills. So do you think those two are related at all? I think in, in many cases, those two are related. It, what's interesting, one thing we probably never reflect on in this, this Luke chapter 10 passage is that the Samaritan had to have a surplus in order to be generous. He, he had to have some set aside to be able to be a blessing in this moment. And so I think it, it comes back to us, um, are we practicing discipline to maintain a budget? Uh, Proverbs 27 verse 23 says this, be sure that you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Now, I, I don't know if you have a flock of Benjamins or a flock of Washingtons. <laughs> I won't ask you that. But I, I know we've all got a flock of some, some sort. And you can pretty quickly identify the condition of your flocks, but giving careful attention to them means we know what's coming and what's going. Over the course of this year, this calendar year at Fathom Church, the first seven months of the year, and kids, I'm going to teach you a little, little, little money thing that you, you might not know or hear this and not know what it is, but the first seven months of this year was an opportunity really, to, I was kind of nervous, right? We talk about emotional plan. I was kind of nervous at the beginning of this. I was talking with our leaders. I didn't know how God uh, was going to provide. I was very nervous. I saw kind of the writing on the wall, but God was so faithful. The first seven months of this year, you were extremely faithful in your giving, and, and we were in the black. That's what I wanted to teach you, kids. In the black means that's a good thing. That means there's more coming in than what's going out, uh, and, that, and that was in a season over the uh, course of this year. We've been able to be more generous than what we've ever been. So I'm really proud of you. Like this year, it's, it's been really strong. It's allowed us to give careful attention, to uh, make sure we're, we're putting money aside that, that we can live on in a, another coronavirus 21. Just kidding. That's not going to happen. <laughs> the, the, uh, we, it's a joke. Someone's like, no, don't say it. Um, 
But in the past two months, we've been uh, investing more things and, and, and more opportunities in our marriage conference. And, and just this week, uh, or the past two weeks, uh, b- based on your generosity, we were able to bless teachers at two schools uh, with just handwritten cards and, and, and a coffee that's on you. Like, that's your generosity that's doing that. There's so many other ways in which I could just share about how your generosity is making a difference. The past few months have been in the red. That's not as good. <laughs> That's not as good. That's not really uh, where we want it. And, and, but I'm thankful that this year has been one in which we've been able to, uh, to maintain the budget. And over the years, even in the first few years, like we, we ended in the red for like three years straight. In the first three years, as we're trying to get the church up and going. We were relying on outside donors. And, and, I'm, and I'm thankful that we've been able to operate. This is that season of the year in which we're putting the budget together. Uh, I'm thankful for our board of trustees in the room who, who meet with me uh, once a month, and we oversee just the finances, make, making sure everything's accounted for. And they've got one goal is to protect and advance the mission of the church. We meet on like third Sundays each, each month. And I'm thankful for Kevin Smithers, our financial director. Dude, love you, man. You uh, appreciate your heart and just uh, how you lead uh, the finances of our church with such discipline to make sure uh, we're maintaining a budget. And so we're working on that stuff through, uh, through this season. And so we're practicing that. And, and with all these, these uh, two groups that I would just shared, one thing that I've said, and we said as we were uh, on-ramping people through DNA sessions, is we want to operate our budget with Fortune 500 quality and with missionary passion. Fortune 500 quality and missionary passion. Are, are we, based on a bunch of volunteers and a couple staff members, like going to be Fortune 500 quality? Probably not. But you, you understand the heart of what's saying. And I wonder if some of us, we need to adopt that same mentality in our own finances. I want to have the heart to be extremely disciplined, uh, to, to be extremely disciplined, but also extremely generous and have that missionary passion that says, God, I'm giving my life for you. It's all yours. It's all in your hands. That's the heart of a kingdom steward. So we've got to practice discipline. Uh, and, and maintain a budget. And maybe some of us, that's the takeaway. Some of us today, it's going to be, oh man, I've been looking at the provision as my purpose. And there's actually purpose beyond that. Some of us, uh, maybe it's the emotional anxiety and fear that we've just constantly had over money our entire life. And I believe today's going to be a day in, in the prayer time that we can just surrender that to the Lord and know that He's overall and He's sovereign. And he wants to give good gifts to His children. Maybe some of us, we're being reminded, oh, I'm in that percentage struggling, but I also don't have a budget, and that's kind of a wake-up call for me. Uh, the fourth thing uh, that I want to look into today is, uh, as a principle of Kingdom Stewards, is that we've got to have faith in God's economy. Anybody grow up in a small town? Anybody? Small town? All right. How, how, like, how small was your town? 35,000. 35, how small was your town? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. My, my in-laws live in a small town in which there's more cows than people in their county, right? That's, that's the type of town. And if you ever grew up in a small town, or maybe you'd just been to Jacksonville. In fact, I've run into people that have lived here their whole, time, their whole life, and I'll eat at a restaurant in, like, Riverside, and they're like, where's Riverside? I'm like, dude, what? Like, you've never heard of Riverside? No, I've never been there. It's like it's a foreign country. No, it's like, it's like 20 minutes away. It's just right over there. Um, but when we come from a small town, like we, we, have, like we finally step out of that. We get to a new city, and, and it's like, whoa, the world's bigger than what I thought in my small town. You know, I, I was talking with someone recently about eighth grade trips are always like to Washington, D.C. I think well, kids go, and they're like, oh, the world's so much bigger than what I thought in my school, in my neighborhood, in my church. It's so much bigger than that. And, and there, then our, our, as we go on in life, our, our vision, our understanding of the world begins to expand. And I think the same is true. That kind of 
that kind of disorienting, that kind of, oh my gosh, this is so much different, this feels weird, I'm uncomfortable in this environment. I think the same is true as we're walking in faith and understanding God's vision for our finances. God's plan and God's economy is different than the economy of the world. It doesn't operate the same. In fact, from time to time, someone who will begin to become generous and maybe they'll begin tithing and they'll see over the past year, they'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They'll come to me and I really am excited. I, I, when I'm talking to them, I'm, I'm very excited, but I often don't show it because I just know like, yeah, that, that's how God's economy works. Like that's, that, that's what God does. That's what he does. He proves himself. That's what he says in Malachi chapter um, uh, 3 verses 9 through 10 when he talks about the tithe, the principle of the tithe is that it's all his, and we just trust him with the first fruits. It's really a a symbol of when we give, when we're generous, we put him first in our finances. We trust him more than we even trust our own work ethic. I trust God to do more than what I can think or imagine. I'm reminded today of the story of the young boy who had just the fish and the loaves of bread. You guys remember the story? Some of you will remember it. In in Matthew, um, I believe I'm looking at the Matthew one this morning. Yeah, I didn't put it on. Yeah, Matthew 14. Yeah, he, he looks at it, and here's what he says. But when Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he, he already had in mind what he was going to do. Can I just say this in your life? For those of you that need a financial miracle, like you need a financial breakthrough, God already knows how he's going to get it to you. So my kids, um, Beckett's very conscientious about money, and if something's going on, like that's a lot of money, like I'm like, okay, bud, I, we know how we're going to figure it out. God just says the same thing to you. Hey, he's already got in mind how he's going to do it. Like our building that we're raising money for, God's already got it in mind how he's going to do it. And so I'm rested today. I'm not trying to, you know, convince somebody. I don't want anybody to give reluctantly today. I want us to give out a cheerful heart. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one, each one to have just a bite. And another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How, how far will they go among so many. Well, you, you know the story. Jesus multiplies, and there's plenty left over at the end. And as I was reflecting on this and reflecting on God's economy, I just thought to myself, this boy, his faith grew like nobody's business in this moment. Because he was willing to release what was in his hand for something bigger than himself. And I just imagine what kind of faith this young boy walked in the rest of his life. We don't know his story. It's not anywhere else in Scripture that we know how his story ended. But I know this much. His faith grew in that moment and when, when he released something in his hand. And if I could say anything about my journey to become more generous. And, and Taryn and I, we started our marriage at 10%. And every year we've set a mission that we're going to give more than what we gave the last year. And it's happened throughout our marriage. And we're, I don't know how many years in. She's not in here, so I can say that. (laughs) 13 years in. And so as someone who's practiced what I preached in this, and will practice, continue to practice, I've given two or three or four times to this building thing, I'm going to give again today. And I'll say this much, as I've released, God has blessed so much. And my faith in him 
has grown. And I, I, I know as we kind of step into this time, I, I just want to remind you that the reason we're called in to, to be generous is to fund his kingdom, to be a part of our Father's business in the world. That's, that's why we get the opportunity to be generous, is to fund the mission of God, to go make disciples of all nations, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But that, that mission of God is, is lived out in local vision. It's lived out in local vision through local churches and local leaders who carry forward that mission of God. That, that vision over the past several years, and in fact, I'll say it like this, and this may be helpful for business leaders or, or parents or in your marriage right now, that one question to ask yourself often when you're trying to see something move forward or you're kind of struggling through all the details is, what one thing, if it changed, would make the biggest difference? This is a very helpful question to ask. What one thing, if it changed, would make the biggest difference in your marriage, uh, in your relationship with your kid, uh, in your relationship with the church, or in your financial life? What one thing? And for years, that thing has been, if we had a kid's facility (laughs) that that we could really draw families to and be able to house uh, more children and more students, that for a while, that's, that's been at the top of many of our lists. And that vision is very close now. In fact, we're coming down uh, the backstretch to finish strong. That's what we've called this. And I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I know one thing, and I just want to make this clear. If, if you are having an emotional feeling of guilt, of condemnation, of shame, it's not from me, and it's not from the Lord. Okay? Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you feel that, that's the, that's the devil, and it's the enemy. It's the, he's an accuser, and you need to reject it. That's not God. If you feel conviction and God's drawing you into it, now that, that's, probably God, that's probably God. But at the end of the day, he doesn't want you to give just to give. He wants you to give out of a generous heart and a cheerful heart. that says, God's faithful. I want to be a part of moving his mission forward. And I want to grow in my generosity. I want to grow in my trust of God. So we get an opportunity today. I don't know what God's doing in your heart. This band's going to lead us in just a few moments. But before they do, I want to give you a couple of instructions. Uh, on the seat back in front of you or in the front row, uh, it's up under your seat. Uh, there's just like a little trifold, like a little brochure thing. And this is something for you. It's got a little tear-off perforated uh, thing at the bottom. And you can look at it. There's an opportunity for you to write today as we sow. You're gonna, we're going to actually end service in our next gym building, right? We're going a few minutes longer today, but we're going to go next door in our next gym, and we're going to end with a prayer and give you an opportunity, maybe to write a scripture, maybe to write a prayer on the frame before we close everything up in the coming weeks. It's going to be a special time. I really want to encourage you to join us over there. You're going to be able to give online or any of the places. You're always going to use the building code, you know, the building fund that you want to give to. But on there, over the next three months, today is kind of a launching point for that. We're giving you an opportunity. I know many of you have been giving over this over two years, from phase one and now into phase two. Some of you have not had an opportunity to be a part, and uh, today's a day you can, you can be a part of that. And so um, what we're going to do is give you a few minutes to be able to pray. If you're a couple, I encourage you just to pray individually and then talk and just say, ask what. Maybe you've been doing that over the past month, and you know what God's laid in your heart. And so I, I want to encourage you. I've actually heard this week of kids as young as six and seven years old who are, have, have set aside money they've been saving for a long time for a toy, and they told their mom, I wanted to go to the building. Like, that's the kind of heart that God calls us to. <laughs> and it's, it's one that requires, we, we got $45,000 we've got left to raise to, to finish out 
uh, our funding of this building. It was 35, it moved to 45. If you're noticing those numbers, it's true. <laughs> it did. But we got 45 left to raise. I'm gonna pray for us, give you a few moments to pray privately as they lead us in worship. Just pray, ask that God would lead us. I'm gonna come back up here and transition us next door and we're gonna close out over there. Pastor David's gonna uh, lead us in a prayer, just a time of coming together, uh, an opportunity to pray that God would provide it. Here's, here's what I know and what I want you to know is that this is not dependent on one of us. It's dependent on all of us and dependent on the faithfulness of our God and so we trust in that. Let's pray. God, I thank you today as you are I thank you that you've given us a plan, God. You've, you've given us the scriptures to guide us, God. And we come from many different backgrounds and many different uh, stories and experiences, God, that have shaped our heart and how we feel about money, our families and, and churches we've been a part of. But God, today we're, you're stirring in our hearts, God, in the scriptures you point us to a life of generosity. Right here in this parable of the, the Good Samaritan, it's a, really a parable about your kingdom and how as kingdom stewards, as citizens of heaven, we're called to fund your kingdom in the city and in the nations, God. So I pray today as you move on our hearts, we would be obedient to what you're doing, God. That we would be uh, cheerful as we give, as we consider and pray, God. We pray with faith today in Jesus' holy name. Amen. They're going to sing a song. It's just, I just pray that you just bow your heads and pray, maybe right there online or right here in the room. Just ask that God would reveal to you what he's doing and what he's speaking to your life today. I'll come back up and close this in just a moment.
So I've just taken mine, I've folded it up. Um, there, you can drop these in the joy box in the back or, or next door in the building. We've got another joy box. However God's leading you to give. Um, can, can, I, can I just say this? Um, God wants to, to, God wants this to be a, a shift in some of our hearts, like big things, like, like you were anxious about money and you're not anxious about money. God, God wants to do something in shaping our hearts for his kingdom in this, and so I want to pray over, over these gifts. We're going to go next door and, and pray uh, again. Can't, can't uh, hurt to have all kinds of prayer. But if you'll just fold this up, there's that other piece that says kind of what you're sowing for the next generation or the city or missions or whatever. You want to fill in the blank there. Maybe your own kids' names or your grandkids' names. Uh, you, you can just fill that in there and just put that up on your, on your fridge at home just to remind you and pray over that as we're, we're going through this campaign. Uh, if you're online, you can give right there um, online, just anytime under our building fund. And so I just want to pray a short prayer. Uh, we're going to move. These guys are going to throw us on some music. And uh, let's just pray. We're going to move next door, and we'll close out from there today.